Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. And I'm Robin, and we are discussing early departures. Uh, for our factions, we have Jamal, Quincy, also known as Q, Wit, Mrs. Barantes, and Autumn. So, <laughs> talking about Autumn. Autumn and Jamal are dating, and... Our topic for this is toxic relationship. Now, whether you felt, this is one of those where when I first read it, I was like, oh, this is fine. And then I reread it and Nicole was like, we should do toxic relationship. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. There's just a bunch of stuff where if like the last quarter of the book had gone a different way. Yeah. The plot could have been about how their relationship was bad and fell apart. Like- they they make the turn, I think, and it's going in a good direction, but for a lot of the book, it's got some unpleasantness. Yeah, um, there's a lot of things that are ways that Autumn talks to or uh, ultimatums that she uh-huh. gives that really should have just been boundaries that she was setting. Right. That legitimately are good boundaries, are fine. They're they're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they are framed as if you don't XYZ, I'll leave you forever and your life will be terrible without me. And it's it's like, hey, that should have just been I'm not okay with XYZ and I leave yeah, for myself know. and not a threat, so to sp- like in that way, is not putting pressure on him in that way. It should have just been a, a thing that was about her and her needs. Instead, she turns it into this very, um, it- it's an ultimatum. It's a do this or I I am going to, to and- intentionally do something you don't like. And when we say should have, we mean should have in pursuit of 
having a healthy relationship, not should have as in whether it the book works or doesn't work with whatever decision. Like this isn't about the plot. This is yeah, if if my partner did that to me, I would um have some concerns. <laughs> yeah. That's it's definitely and and the other part of it too that happens is like um uh Jamal really sees Autumn as almost his savior in a way as like his like mm-hmm. emotional like you are the only emotional support thing that I have and if you leave then I'm right back where I started and it's 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 very much a situation of like he is depending on her to make him okay. And mm-hmm. so then when she says, well, if you don't X, Y, Z, then I will leave. He just straight up panics. And it, it's, and when we say toxic relationship, it's kind of bad from both ends. Like being, mm-hmm. being treated as somebody's emotional crutch, emotional, everything is really kind of bad at her but then also coming back and saying like well i'm gonna i'm gonna give you this ultimatum and i'm gonna tell you how much it's gonna hurt you instead of it being a boundary she's setting up is is just as toxic in the other direction and, and there's like uh it's, it's just this of- really it's it's this back and forth of like which thing is it's you almost read the book feeling like well which thing is gonna make them break up and it's like well okay yeah. but and that and the thing is like that's not even the story. That's not even the plot. It's literally just that he can't handle life. <laughs> um and also I'm actually going to say even there are some things with those boundaries where it's like she sets it up and says, "Well, if you don't tell me other people's information and secrets and things, that's a problem." And he's over here like, "But that's not even mine to talk about." And there's no room for that. Like, she's trying to get information about Q and stuff. And, like, there's there's this thing where Autumn had asked whether Jamal and Q are friends. Jamal answered, like, the emotional answer of no. Because yeah. that the current state at that time was <laughs> the that... The current state was they, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. They were... They had been friends. They had kind of dramatically fallen out well um and I dramatically she... emotionally there was no conference big confrontation which is yeah. part of the problem but like i think the quote was actually her asking if they had ever been friends and he said no but he said no because he felt like their friendship like he had been fake. betrayed so heavily that he mm-hmm. didn't actually think they had ever been friends Right, like, you know, if this could happen between us, if you could do this to me, then yeah, we must exactly. never have been friends, because otherwise this wouldn't have happened. And so he says, no, no, and, we weren't friends. And she takes it as him deliberately lying to her about a quote-unquote little thing. And, but, but, but again, like, the way she treats him, there's no room for nuance. There's no room for context. There's no room for him his boundaries his emotional needs in any way shape or form there is only just absolute her knowing everything that she thinks is important 
And there's no room for him to say no. There's no room for him to say, I am not comfortable with that. There's no room for him to say, well, that's somebody else's information. There's no room for him to say, I thought so, but <laughs> like, you know, and yeah. they've, they haven't even known each other that long in the, I mean, a couple of years, but like, yeah, I mean, still, you know, a, a, a couple of years, but it's, it's pretty heavily implied that like, this has been just their mode of operanda and like, Nobody owes you their life story, even the, if you are together. The time and like the point in them knowing each other when Autumn asks if they're friends and Jamal says no it's is like two days when he meets Autumn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right, right away. And it's right away. And so then later, once they're together, she's linking up <laughs> him not going into a ton of detail about someone he met five minutes ago when he's very hurt by someone that he thought he could trust that he doesn't feel like he could trust and all that stuff. Yeah. He doesn't go into all that detail. He just says no. And then several years later, when she finds out that they had been friends and there's all this stuff She's like, why didn't you tell me? And no one brings up, hey, when I didn't tell you, we had known each other for five minutes and I didn't know that this was the trajectory. Yeah. It's why didn't you meet? Why didn't you tell me? And why didn't you like know that I would need like, no, you you were not entitled to that information at the time. Like my my wife still now uh occasionally i'll like mention someone that i was friends with during the time <laughs> that we were friends because we have been friends since we were teenagers and like i'll mention someone that i was friends with like while i was also friends with her and she'll never have heard of this person because yeah. they were just friends that i had that weren't her and yeah. i wasn't at that time reporting all my relationship stuff to her because we were just friends i don't know it just it having that contrast in my own life where like you know a bunch of years into this relationship it'll be like oh yeah such and such person and she's like who and i'm like person i had lunch with every day for three years and she's like who <laughs> like she's not like oh my goodness you've betrayed me right it's, oh that's a bit of your life i didn't know about and so having not that autumn had to react the way you know my wife did right. or something but like it just since I have something that feels like a little bit like this, that makes mm. sense. It was weird for Autumn to feel like there's this whole betrayal when he's just like, no person I met five minutes ago. I am not friends with this <laughs> I'm person. I'm not friends with them. I, I want to take it even a, a one more step removed and say, you say at the time I wasn't reporting on my relationship. I have fooled. I mean, I have not dated a lot of people, but I had one one relationship that went for a lot of years, uh, almost seven years. And I can get pretty much guarantee you that that I I have friends now that I have been friends with the entire time. And since before I started dating that person and I'm not together with them anymore, but like longer than our relationship that I was friends with before am still friends with now that they have never heard of, that they would never recognize that name. Because even when you're in a relationship, you don't have you don't. to sit down and say, okay, so this is everybody in my life. And here are all of the people that I, 
communicate with in any way, shape or form. Like you don't have to do that. You don't owe anybody that. And if somebody if somebody needs that from a relationship, like there are people who who legitimately emotionally need to feel need need that to feel secure. You still have a right to say no. Yeah. And and maybe maybe that just means you aren't compatible. Right. But you still have the right to say uh no i don't i don't want i don't want to do that i don't feel comfortable doing that that's a lot of work and i will not remember and like there's there's a lot of reasons that you can just say i just don't want to and it's it's okay but autumn doesn't have there's no room for for jamal to even attempt to begin to to tell her no and it feels like like we're saying toxic relationship because that's how it's kind of playing out yeah but at the heart of this it feels like incompatible needs yeah and hey they're working it out and it seems like maybe they're working out in the direction of jamal says more but (laughs) you know if they were going to be a sequel or something and the sequel is about how like this went badly which you know would be a genre shift if it was about how this went badly i'd be like you know what makes sense i am not surprised this this is not surprising but, you know, hypothetically, I hope they, you know, hope they figure it out, but also have it keep working later. <laughs> On to Quincy and abandonment. Right. So uh, if you listened to the first section, we talked about friend who Jamal wasn't friends with. Hey, it's Quincy. <laughs> so... <laughs> Jamal, several years before the events of the book, Jamal cut off contact with him and it didn't tell him why. Yeah. The book treats this a little bit like a reveal. So we are going to spoil that (laughs) for this discussion. Um, But, oh my goodness, what a reason. Okay. So, um... Jamal blamed Q because Q had called Jamal's parents and Jamal's dad trying to answer the phone was a contributing factor to Jamal's dad crashing the car and then Jamal's parents die in that accident. And Jamal spends the first half of the book describing this as Q having killed Jamal's parents. Yeah. Which, in my opinion... Is not how that works. Yeah, someone making um, a distracted. I we should point out, even with that, mm-hmm. Jamal blames answering the phone call. His dad mm-hmm. was also doing like a lot of other distracted driving things, and and it was a a car collision in a place where like the person who hit them also made bad decisions. Like there was a lot of contributing factors. But the the detail from the incident that really sticks out to Jamal is the phone call. And part of what makes him so angry is that Quincy had called because he thought it was, I believe, his parents' anniversary. Yeah. And it and it, it was like wasn't. two days earlier. So or Jamal's something. like, not only did you kill my parents, <laughs> but you, you were wrong. Them. <laughs> yeah. You were wrong. Right. And so like emotionally, I get it, Jamal. But also, <laughs> this is... But also, you are not treating your friend very well. You have abandoned Quincy. And then there's a whole reversal of this trauma, because this incident means 
that Jamal is then not there for Quincy as Quincy's dad dies. Of cancer, of I cancer. believe. Yes. So it was, I think it was cancer. It was definitely a terminal illness, uh, something yeah, like it was lo- cancer. longer. And so I don't remember what Jamal- kind of cancer, but there's this like, both of them have now been abandoned by the other one and neither of them, like when we start the book, that neither of them have talked about it or anything because yeah. they're just both not talking to the other one for this for like the same not quite the same reason but that same trauma reason yeah so quincy had spent several weeks after jamal's parents died trying to get in contact with jamal and then when jamal doesn't answer at all and then quincy's dad is dying and dies and the funeral i believe the funeral happens and jamal still isn't replying quincy's like you know what (laughs) you know what goodbye (laughs) yeah i'm i'm done i'm done and you know good on you jamal that this makes sense and i'm not saying sorry good on you quincy yeah this makes sense um not that it's like um and part of this you've got to remember these are teenagers and also Mm -hmm. the author needed a thing where if they talked about it they could get over it in order for like the plot of this book to happen it had to be a thing or if they could talk about it they could work it out yeah um so yeah. that's in terms of why the author set up this set of things that's really crucial yeah um also when like the cutting off contact and whatever happened they were in like middle school maybe late elementary school they're yeah. like young teenagers so um if you're like wow that's a really immature reaction yep sure is it's an age-appropriate very (laughs) immature reaction yeah but i wish i wish i guess any of the people i wish had been around to talk to them about it literally aren't around because jamal can't talk to his parents about it and you know quincy's mom's got enough to deal with and you know his was the half that made a little bit more sense so like i see how all this happened and like it's set up pretty artfully in the book and it's like well yeah these really young teenagers did this thing that doesn't make a whole bunch of sense logically but like emotionally yeah feels right but it means that they're both they both feel abandoned um we picked Quincy as the person to focus on here because Quincy to me feels like the most literally on purpose abandoned. Well, Quincy Quincy has like a thing that Jamal actually did to that that he then feels abandoned by. Jamal has a thing that Quincy did not actually do <laughs> because Jamal doesn't even frame it for a long time as you did a phone call and my dad was distracted. It's you are the one who killed my parents. Yeah, he keeps telling people that the reason they're not talking is that Quincy killed Jamal's parents. Yeah, like he is just putting that out. No context, no clarification, no understanding, no nuance, no nothing. No even attempt to give like an, a more accurate portrayal. It's literally just, this is the person who murdered them. <laughs> so we're not friends anymore. And like, that's not true or fair and you know robin and i felt like quincy had the more like accurate statement i guess the more like thing that actually happened and yeah 
kind of framing it. I, I would say framing it that way. We are talking about both, but in our notes, we labeled this as Quincy. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, the author's the one who set up this whole situation. Yeah, sure is. More so than most other topics, this feels the most like, yeah, the author set this one up. Yeah. Well, it it's yeah. great narratively. It gives a really... Mm-hmm. Narratively, and we're going to talk about this in our our next section, but narratively, it gives a very interesting setup to a dynamic that is hard to fabricate sometimes. Yeah. Because because part of this is like... Without without being a war book. Yeah, without being... Yeah, without that or without like, again, as Robin said, doing something that legitimately would be unforgivable and like is hard to justify characters reconciling. The author did a really good job of of walking that line of like, okay, I need something bad enough for them actually not to have spoken in several years on purpose, but not bad enough that like we they can't figure it out. <laughs> and a miscommunication and wrongful blame and also the other person left and didn't there was no explanation. Right? Like that makes sense. Uh, and it, it sets up the dichotomy of the actual plot incredibly well. Uh, I mentioned war books as the only thing it could do this otherwise, not only, but like, I, I was thinking you were heading for, otherwise it'd be hard to set up literally everyone having had someone die. Oh, no, 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 no. That's pretty yeah. easy. You can do that with a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, like uh, abandonment all around. It, it's it's interesting reading books where I'm like, you know what? You make total sense as a character. I think I don't. I don't think I would get along with you in person. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. There's a lot of characters I like that I wouldn't get along with in person. Um, but poor Quincy for a lot of reasons, but. He he has a real rough time. Yeah. Hello, and on to our last topic, which is death. Yes, yeah, so the title Early Departures is a nod to people dying young and or before, quote unquote, their time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is a... a-, a uh- it's a really good title. It's yeah, it's very good. It it also the book also sets you up and we mm-hmm. talked about this in our 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 second segment. Uh but the book also kind of uh, at the beginning almost sets you up to make you think that it's an early departure from friendship. Like people are leaving your life by leaving your your circle early. Like both both between the like the relationship stuff we talked about and between the 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 abandonment stuff we talked about in our other sections like that's that's almost that's what i thought the book was going to be about i actually asked robin it i think at one point in the reading or i thought it i don't know if i actually messaged you i don't think you asked me but i had this thought of like is this actually gonna be because we try to we try to not talk about just like we we try to make our our books have some fantastical or science fiction element that fully removes them from the real world Mm-hmm. When we when I when I was reading the book, I was like halfway, not even halfway through it, but I was still at like the the beginning part of it, and I was kind of thinking like, 
is this actually <laughs> is this actually the genres we're trying to go to like i believe robin but also i haven't gotten there yet <laughs> and the title fully works for just people moving out of your life by their own decision <laughs> and like you know um but then you know then of course we get to the reanimation and it's like oh no alrighty then there we go yep so before the book even begins there's already been a bunch of deaths so much yeah. death uh as we spoke about in an earlier section and um uh in the last section with abandonment um jamal and his sister wit their parents are dead when the book starts and you know we've already talked about the role that yeah. quincy very technically had that jamal's upset about so there's that we've already talked about that but the important thing is we have Jamal and Wit having lost their parents, Wit kind of having to act like a mom a bit to Jamal, you know, like kind of trying to like replace their parents because she is enough older than him that she kind of took that on. Then within a few weeks, Mrs. B and Quincy lose Mr. B, Quincy's dad, cancer. And then once the book actually gets going, Quincy dies. And There's, it's just a lot of <laughs> I I there's there's a oh the I mean the crux of it is that Quincy is brought back. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot yeah. of death, but the point of the the plot is that Quincy gets a very short reanimation. Yep. And there's a lot of like there's a lot of like closure but not closure things, especially because initially Quincy's mom wasn't going to tell him that he was dead. Yeah, and that he was going to die again. And he was going to die again, yeah. Or that he he was going to die again sooner than normally one might expect that death will eventually happen. Yeah, um there's one of the so had a thought. I'm trying to reclaim it. <laughs> oh, so pretty much everyone but Autumn has lost somebody to yeah. death well, by the time the book is over. And because of how close... Well, I... It explicitly yes. states that. We know that she has a grandmother that's still alive. That's pretty much all we know. We don't yeah, really learn we don't much know about Autumn at all. No. <laughs> Anyhow, she's with her... We see her grandmother, but she doesn't try to bond with Jamal over both having lost parents. Not that I can recall, at least. So, like, I feel like that would have come up if that were a thing. But anyway. So, Quincy gets reanimated. And then there's a whole bunch of, like, the the people who reanimated him saying, You're going to have this long. Whoops, we were wrong. Uh, you're not going to have as much time. And so mm -hmm. the conversations that happen with Quincy around that, they're complicated by Mrs. B not wanting to tell Quincy and forbidding Jamal from telling him because she wants his last days to be unburdened. But it also, yeah, but it also means, and this is something that the book like actively like, brings up and tries yeah. to work through trying to not tell Quincy that he's going to die kind of takes from him the ability to choose how he wants to spend 
what are literally his last days. And it also makes it hard or nearly impossible for people who want to have certain conversations with him before he dies to have those contact conversations with everyone involved having the proper emotional context. And there's also some added like, and we we talked about this in our first segment, but it is relevant here. There's some added things where like, because Mrs. B isn't telling Quincy, but Autumn knows that Jamal is keeping something from her about Quincy. Uh-huh. And then Autumn gets very, very upset and puts more pre- and like, and won't take that's their thing that I'm not allowed to talk about for an answer, which he does give her as an answer at least once. Yeah. You know, it's not his secret to tell. And she's like, well, that's not good enough. Right. And she has no, she has no room for that's somebody else's secret or somebody else's information. Like no, no ability to, to respect that, that we see on screen. I, I think so, so ultimately, so eh, spoiler, not, I was going to say minor spoiler, but you know, spoiler, Jamal then does end up telling Quincy and uh, Mrs. B is pretty mad at him about it, but yeah. it means that. Yeah. And then Quincy is mad at her <laughs> for being mad at him because why wouldn't you tell me? How, could, yeah, how dare and you? And I also, it doesn't bring this up specifically, but I wonder if. And I wish it had. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if Mrs. B not wanting Quincy to get told is informed by her seeing what it did to her, her husband to oh. know that he was going to die. Like I'm sure yeah. it I'm, had to. Um, I, I'm sure that that's that makes a yeah. lot of sense. I, I mean, you know, like you said, the book doesn't really it doesn't delve into that. Touch on that explicitly but i mean yeah this this is the second person in her immediate family her husband and now her son who who she is watching die quite literally and it's you know not yet but soon and you know that same uncertainty at the window and i wish i wish the book had and i know it's being speculative fiction and and you know it's it's not allegory for watching someone die right. of cancer and i think maybe it it would have not been great if it had gotten too close to that it might have gotten hard to read but it feels like the parallel is right there and no one mentions it like no one mentions it at all which does feel odd and <laughs> i don't know if see it made total sense to me because making that a big explanation would would I mean, and this is true about any time in, in a, a book or a movie when somebody is like, I feel this way because this thing that you already know existed. And well, it's like, okay, well, now I, I feel like I'm being stepped out of the story. To me, it made perfect sense that it was just an internal thing that maybe even if that's happening, she might not realize that that's what's happening or she might not want to think it yeah. through. And like, why would we be told about it? I just, you know, some sort of, you know saw what your what it did to your dad to know that he was going to die and didn't want you to go through that just that that's i don't mean yeah. some big explanation i just mean like some line like that um uh, but you know that's not what it did yeah the it everybody pretty much everybody loses somebody and if 
And if they hadn't by the start of the book, they will lose Quincy because a bunch of the book is spent being around him, like even people who wouldn't have been around him before, like Autumn, like getting to know him and stuff. And he was like person that he goes on like a date with, um, who then isn't around much after. Um, why would she be? Yeah. But anyway, it, I don't know. It, it's like it says a bunch of interesting things of, about death and grief. And it, I like it. I, I do like this. I want to be very clear because I know yeah. like my phrasing might have seemed like kind of ambiguous. I, I do like this, but as I said before, I like this book. I would not hang out with Jamal. <laughs> we it would, <laughs> it would it would it would not go well. I don't know if I'd get along with Quincy. Uh, I don't like their style of humor in the YouTube videos because they are teenagers. That's so it's fine. But yeah, there's just there's so much death, and that's like the point of the plot. So. Hello, mortals, and welcome to Half Damage, a Curse of Strahd actual play podcast with a twist like no other. Listen if you dare, for only horror and pain lurk inside. It seems to be growing lollipops for some reason. I'm to cry. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, no, 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 that's not what I... Can, can we roll this? I have stared into the abyss, and the abyss has frosted tips. <laughs> <laughs> that is clearly not what I want. I squeeze to G's, Jerry. If you... I'm hovering on the doorway of Flavortown. <laughs> Jerry, you cut this out right now, or I swear. Where there was nothing there before now hangs a lifeless gray body that fixes its dead eyes upon you. Or more accurately fixes your dead eyes upon no, you. No, no, no! <clears throat> That's more like it. Venture in if you think you have the stomach for it. Find Half Damage on all podcast apps or on iTunes under podcasts. I can't wait for you to enter my domain. Jerry, you're so f***ing fired. On to the wrap-up and ratings. For our gratuity rating for toxic relationship, what are you thinking? Um, I mean, it's on screen. I I think, I think it's pretty mild as even depictions of the particular things we talked about tend to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I think it's just mild. It's definitely there, but like, it's it's not. It's just kind of there. It's kind of one of those things where. If you know what you're looking for, it's really obvious. If you're not thinking about it or you don't really consider what they're doing to be an example of this thing, you can just pass right over it. So, yeah. Yeah. And the way the plot handles it helps to keep it feeling mild. Yeah, absolutely. Throughout. It it feels like a very background noise kind of thing and not like a thing that is happening, which is yeah, very mild. For abandonment, uh, backstory, and yeah, either moderate or severe. Like the the actual abandonment is in the past. Um, the current, the uh, anger and yeah. hurt feelings and repercussions are very much discussed. I'd say moderate, probably. 
Because like they're they're talking about it, but they're they're generally talking about it in the context of trying to work through and resolve what yeah, happened. I'm okay with moderate. I think I think it would have been very easy to kick this up to severe, but I don't think that actually mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Death, I'm not going to put backstory for this. I know there are no. some that are backstory, but the main crux of the plot is very on screen. Like incredibly yeah. on screen. <laughs> Heads up for anyone yeah. reading this. I This one is definitely severe. Yeah. For everybody. Yep. Interchangeable, the- irrelevant, or integral. Toxic relationship. Interchangeable? Feels. I or think irrelevant? the toxic. I think it's irrelevant. Yeah. I think that other best friend or yeah, there it you it, know there didn't even need to be anything. This was just a thing that was almost world yeah. building and like visualizing character, but it's not. It didn't do anything really plot wise. It was just kind of there. Yeah, like even the uh, internal like turmoil that led certain characters to make certain decisions, like. There's already a lot of turmoil. There's already a lot of turmoil and like the pressure that the particular toxic relationship pushed in that direction. Like that pressure was there before the scene of the pushing. Like that it wasn't even necessary. It's kind of like, you know, a final straw sort of a thing. And it's like, I don't even know if you needed that straw. Yeah. Okay. Abandonment. It is integral. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And death is integral. It's like the whole that point is the of plot. The, book. the whole plot that, is abandonment first, and then death. <laughs> um, was the trauma treated with care? Abandonment. Sorry, with toxic relationship. I don't think it was. And no, I think it was like super definitely not. Yeah, it was not treated with care, and I don't know if it was meant to be toxic relationship like i feel like i don't even know i don't think it was i think i mean you know kind of rocky they have to work through some stuff it it was definitely a i feel like it was it was meant to be they are not okay as a couple right now but i don't think it was meant to be toxic yeah yeah it, like intentionally. currently having trouble not yeah. maybe you shouldn't date right right um uh abandonment yes okay i question think mark enough i i don't think it was i don't, don't think, think the abandon mm. no because Because it expects the reader to have a certain... It either expects the reader to have a certain mood whiplash when you find out what the abandonment actually is, or doesn't think you'll have an emotional whiplash. And either way, I don't think it's treated with care. So you think it's just straight up no? It's either no or not enough. Hmm. Good with whichever one of those you think. I I guess not enough because I felt like it was fine. <laughs> I felt like it was maybe yes, so let's just say not enough. Okay. Uh death. This is such a weird I think the characters are being treated with a lot of care, but I'm unsure about the reader. Yeah. Like the characters are treating each other with care, but I don't think the reader is being treated with care. 
I'd say, yeah, not enough. Yeah, that or, feels sorry, right. Um, yeah, not enough. And Wait, like, Which is so interesting because we have read a lot of books where the answer is the reader is being treated with care and the characters are not, or nobody is, or everybody is. I can't think of another book where the characters are clearly being cared for, but we are not. And also, like, to, I, I mean, it's interesting. This this is a book about death and grief. It just is. I, I mean, yeah, that, there's that, that too. I, so, like, I, I don't want anyone to conflate not treated with care with, like, us saying it's a bad book or something. Oh, no, it's no, no, not. No. I really like this. Yeah. But it has a lot of the, the, the rawness and jagged edges that go with topics like death and grief when there aren't really many other things to distract from it in the plot. You know, Tell like, me there's if no I'm... spaceships whizzing around. It's just it's <laughs> just this and them having to deal with each other. Tell me if I am off in my comparison here because I don't consume a lot of this genre. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like... So you know how in horror movies and horror books, the point is that you are experiencing the fear and the scary and the unknown with the characters? Depends on the book, but often. Yeah. Often that's a that's a thing. It almost feels like that is what is supposed to be happening in this book, but then it is not a horror book and the characters are being cared for. So you are left to experience the things that they are going through and they are also, but they are protected. If that makes hmm. it. it has a similar vibe. Like I would legitimately say if you really like horror and people dealing with grief is also your bag this is 110 percent the book for you because it has a similar feel it's not a jump scare book no just, it's not a it's yeah. not a jump scare but all horror is not jump scares well um, yeah i just you know you're like horror fans and i'm like maybe not all of you i mean uh, if you're a horror <laughs> fan who likes slow burn terror and you also like people dealing with grief this is a great amazing book and you should read it <laughs> Yeah, is what I'm saying. I, I yeah. think it. I think it cross sections those two. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe. Do we have a, I haven't. That's my opinion. Read <laughs> enough horror to be totally sure. I'm like slowly getting into it carefully. <laughs> it's like that as this authors. is a suggest. This is a recommendation coming from somebody who doesn't really read or watch horror because I don't get scared. I don't get that sense of anticipation i don't get the dread i don't get the oh no what's gonna happen like that just doesn't happen in my brain so the thing mm. about horror that is the thing that taps into to people i don't have so uh but this this book tries and and does a good job with giving you that feeling even though the characters are are, are doing better than you are i think so i mean that's who i am so you know that's but that but i think i think that if that's the kind of person you are that if you like both of those things i i would i highly recommend this book or at least trying it out you know and, yeah. and seeing and if anybody is that person and you read this and you have a like very positive or very negative reaction tell, let us know let us hit know. us up on twitter <laughs> or email us about it like i'm i legitimately i legitimately want to know how it goes all right, point of view for the trauma and aftermath. Point of view for the toxic relationship. I mean, the whole... Mo okay. It's... For point of view, 
I want to make sure we don't like spoil a thing. So be careful when talking about point of view generally. For point of view for the toxic relationship, we just get Jamal. We don't get Autumn. I think we just get Jamal 90% of the time. There's like yep, a not- couple of things where we have another character and that's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's mostly Jamal. Like blanket and- statement for all categories. Jamal is yes. our spokesperson. Jamal is our point yep. of view. For almost all of it. Yep. I think that's all we need to say because it feels like mentioning the other perspective is a spoiler. So. Um, trope spotter. Uh, we have switched to doing Trope Spotter rather than the aspiring author tip. In Trope Spotter, we tell you about a trope that's in this book that we noticed and liked, and we'll do our best to not have be a spoiler. So, <laughs> we'll uh, try. Trope Spotter, the plot triggering death. Uh, this trope is that a death early on, like, has to be pretty early on in the book and i'm pretty sure this one counts a death early on is the whole reason the story happens yeah this could be backstory in this case you could argue that there's backstory plot triggering death and also early on plot triggering death this one's got all bases covered yeah uh yeah it's where a death is responsible for kicking off the plot. Um, murder mysteries tend to have a plot triggering death. So that's an easy example. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Um. Hmm. I I like I like Jamal's sister. I like Whitney. She's cool. Yeah. She seems like she's got. I don't know. Like maybe not life figured out, but like she. She feels like she has a plan and she knows what she's doing and she's doing the best that she can to like take care of her teenage brother. But also like she is doing all right and has like they have a home still. They have transportation. Uh, She is pregnant with a child like she is and, and like their relationship, the two of them. She legitimately just has probably the most like positive and healthy re- like interaction and reactions to other people going through things that I th- on screen in the entire book. Mm-hmm. She feels like the oh, only yeah. one who's like, okay, we're processing grief right now. Like she feels like the only person with that perspective at all. Um, and she, I think she's just gr- she's just great in general. Yeah. Not that Mrs. B doesn't necessarily have that perspective, but... But she's also... Wait, nah, not yeah. as much. I mean, maybe at least the, for herself, but she doesn't really extend that grace to other people as much. Yes, um, and Whitney absolutely Whit, is. Wit is great. Um, all right. My favorite non-traumatic thing. Um, I like the thing where they plant the trees. Uh, and then also... Um, like, a thing that I just really appreciate it is it's like, Whitney has a boyfriend. The boyfriend is going to school. The boyfriend is not in 99% of the book because he is going to school. Yeah. And I like how, because he's not, he's irrelevant to the plot, but he is relevant to Wit's life. And it helps, like, you know, she's pregnant. By whom? Oh, the boyfriend. You know, just like, you know, it just, it helps make her 
it helps establish her as more than emotional support to Jamal. That's what I'll say. It helps, like, yeah. give this picture of her having this life that isn't him. He's important in it because he's her brother. But, like, he isn't the only thing she has going on. And yeah. uh, I like the way the boyfriend's existence is handled. All right. So thank you so much for joining our discussion of early departures. And we, um, oh, like, we have a newsletter. Sign up for it. You can get things like when, you know, reminders about, hey, this was our most recent episode. And this is the books I've reviewed in the last couple of weeks. (laughs) Here are the things that you didn't see because you aren't on Twitter. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, If you would like something emailed rather than needing to stalk us on Twitter, please subscribe to the newsletter and we'll have that uh, links in our outro. I just wanted to mention it because I'm really excited about the newsletter. All right. And we will catch you in a fortnight, just like a fortnightly newsletter. (laughs) Robin is really excited about the newsletter. I'm so excited about the newsletter. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at Books That Burn at Yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at Kofi.com slash Books That Burn or becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon.com slash books that burn all patrons get access to our upcoming book list bonus content including the second half of all interviews and will receive a one-time shout out to get updates on our written reviews recent episodes and newly completed transcripts subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn you can find us on apple Podcasts, pandora spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a review wherever you're listening this helps people to find the show thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks